the Instructor Podcast with Terry Cook, talking with leaders, innovators, experts and game changers about what drives them. Welcome to the Green Room, and we are joined by regular guest Chris Benson of the DITC. How are we doing, Chris? I'm good, thank you. I hope everything's good with you. All good at this end, as always. We're going to dive straight in because there's the one kind of little topic that's taken a little bit of precedence above everything else this week, maybe cause a little bit of a little bit of fuss. I don't know if you've seen it at all. Recent email from the DVSA about Sanders checks. You, you know when there's that that cartoon silence and the bell starts ringing, and that's all you can hear. Yeah. Um. And and the world stops for a moment. Yeah. I, it was one of those across every driving instructor inbox. Um. Yes. It, it's definitely caused a bit a bit of a bit of chatter. Um. And some divided opinions is probably a polite way of putting it. Yeah, and some stronger opinions than others, I think. Um, do you want to just give us a, a brief, almost a summary of, of, of what's been said by the DVSA? And I'm, I'm intrigued to see if, if your interpretation is, is the same or similar to mine. Yeah, I think that's the really interesting thing, isn't it? It depends on how you read it and depends on your opinion. So uh, let, let's let's see whether we meet in the middle or not. Um, so the initially, two, two emails from the DVSA, I think that's important to say. The first one was a, we are trying to do something. We've got things going on. Uh, um, and a response to the driving lesson research um, that they, they put a survey out. Uh, nothing hugely surprising in that, um, that there were eight out of 10 instructors um, say that they have a waiting list. And I would actually say probably the two out of 10 that are remaining just don't want one or are with a franchise so don't feel they have a waiting list they're you know they're relying on the company to deal with that but um almost half of those that have a waiting list have 11 or more people waiting to start i think that's because the cutoff was 11 um you know i think if they'd have counted higher that would be a much higher figure so giving us the response to that and saying that they're trying to increase the number of test appointments and they're looking at some positive changes going along, which while they will go out to consultation, will include, or the you know the ideas include, increasing the number of days a candidate must wait uh, after they failed a test before they can uh, apply. It was interesting, it said apply for a further test. So that's possibly not the affecting the 10 days uh, of retaking, but actually putting in a, 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 a delay on applying for a test. The increasing the number of days notice that needs to be given to cancel or reschedule without losing the fee. Changing the way the eyesight element of the test is conducted, um, which, you know, opticians use digital things that are not a number plate, uh, you know, a, a set distance. So, that would work using iPads and things like that would make sense because they wouldn't have to waste time measuring things out. Uh, that's just my thoughts, sorry, just to yep. keep those separate from what the DVSA has said um, so I don't get shot in case I got it right. Um, <laughs> introducing a digital test pass badge, getting rid of the paperwork, would save time at the end of the tests. Um, I love a certificate, but, you know. Um, so that came out, I think, what it missed for me was about driving instructor mental health and, and the fact that there's lots and lots of pressure. So our, our response as the DITC was, you know, to, to address that for people and, and 
you know, to deal with the number of hours and things so that you can help the ones that you can help and you don't try to change the world. Then, interestingly, the second email hit. The second email from the DVSA was, um, it, you know, it, it was one that was definitely going to divide opinion. And it's that they're going to prioritise standards checks um, based on fault analysis. Now, I, I will point out the DITC response, uh, which you can find on, on the DITC members, members hub, uh, but it's open to non-members to see as well. Um, we included on there the ability to get your analysis report um, if you if you wanted to do so, the email address for, for that. So using that report is what they're going to base standards checks on. So the aim of that is because if we can improve pass rate, then there'll be less people failing, there'll be a shorter waiting list. That's, that's what I've read. So before I give my personal views... <laughs> What do you reckon, Terry? Does that match with your interpretation of what they were saying? Pretty much. Um, yeah, the, the stuff around the learner, um, again, we'll come back to the opinions on it in a second, but the stuff around the learner, uh, yeah, I concur with that around the, the stuff that over instructors. Yeah, it, it just feels like, yeah, that's what they're doing. One of the ways that they can reduce or, or get through tests quicker is to make sure people pass first time when they've gone. How can we make sure people pass first time? Let's improve the standard of driving tuition. And how can we improve the standard of driving tuition? Well, let's target the people that aren't presenting high quality learners to test and throw them into standards checks, essentially. Um, Which, if you remove the emotion from that decision, makes sense. Mm -hmm. You know, and uh, I think we then worry: what if we're one of them? What if we're one of those that are in that in that list? Because I don't think anybody enjoys a standards check or wants to have a standards check. Um, I, you know, I, I think there's those issues there. I question whether me taking a a learner who's done four hours of lessons and then me passing with a grade whatever is going to make me better at assessing whether they're test ready. So I don't think it's hitting the right nail on the head. I think the point is really good. I have to say, it felt a little bit like they're pointing fingers and saying it's our fault again. Um, but I don't think it's solving the issue. Uh, I've, got, I've got ideas as to how I, how I would address them, uh, which we will be feeding back to the DBSA. Happy to share them with you. But... Um, what, what what do you think? Was it a finger being pointed or is it a, a valid point that we need to step up to? Um, I feel like I might need to make a, an apology in advance because I feel like there may be a little bit of a rant coming on here. Um, but the, the, <laughs> <laughs> the way I view this genuinely is, uh, and again, I, there's a lot of people listening to this podcast that aren't from the instructor industry. Um, and I appreciate that. But this is a podcast aimed at driving instructors, and this monologue I'm about to recite is 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 aimed at our industry. It's who I'm speaking about. It's who I'm speaking to, and our industry has taken an absolute kicking over the past eighteen months. 
It's taken a kick in in terms of reputation. And by that, I'm not just talking about instructors. I'm talking about a DVSA's reputation. Um, you look, you go on any time the DVSA posts anything, look at the comments. It's all insults from the public. You know, there, there is no good reputation coming out of this pandemic. There isn't. Um, it's taken a kick in financially. The, 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 that goes to instructors. Um, and yes, I, I'm putting myself in that category. Uh, there are people that are still suffering the ramifications of the past 18 months financially now, and I include myself in that. And yeah, I, that, I'm holding my hands up to this as well. If I'd have been in a better financial position pre-pandemic, I'd have been in a better pan- financial position post-pandemic. But there has been a pandemic that has affected negatively a lot of people that have crippled some people. People have lost their jobs. People have quit their jobs. People have changed jobs. People have lost families. People have lost lives because of this pandemic. And it's affected our industry, in my opinion, more and worse than a lot. So the industry has taken a massive kick. And even going back to last November, when we had that second lockdown, that so many people didn't have to lock down for. But as instructors, we were told not to work. And that was November. We were told not to work in November while hairdressers and those like stayed open. So at that point, it was another bit of a kick in. Now, again, I'm taking personality and, I'm, well, saying taking emotion, I'm clearly not taking emotion out of this. You can, I can feel it <laughs> rising a little bit. But we're taking sort of the, the opinion out of it in that I'm not saying whether we should have worked or we shouldn't, but we weren't allowed to when others were. Within all that time, we've also had the infighting within instructors, you know, arguing over whether to wear masks, arguing over whether to go to work, arguing about tests and what we're doing and all this kind of stuff. So just in the past 18 months, we've taken a real kicking. Even when we've come back, who was the who was the front line that's had to deal with this, this backlog? It's not the DVSA, it's the instructors. You wrote, a, I don't know if it was yourself or, or someone else from the ITC, but wrote a brilliant comment the other day talking about it being like a woodpecker, chipping away at you constantly. So, and, yeah, and, and that's what it is. It, it, you've got it every, you, you switch on social media as an instructor, even if you haven't got messages, you've got comments, you're seeing it constantly. We're taking that constant kicking. You've, you've mentioned about mental health before. It is draining. It really is. And then you'll look on one Facebook page and you'll see some instructor who's doing brilliantly. You know, they've, they've, they've done some over the pandemic that's helped them financially and brilliant. That's not me criticising them. That's me praising them. But that's hurtful for the people that haven't in the sense of, oh, I should have done that. Then you'll see someone else that's struggling worse than you are. And then you feel empathy for that person. And, and I, I feel that and the DVSA, look at it from day one. Don't take them if they're not ready. Don't take them if they're not ready. But that puts us in that position again. So it's another element of us being in that, that position of taking a kicking because we can't put a test back four weeks like we used to or four or five weeks. We can't say to someone, actually, you can see the pressure of this test is just starting to get to you. We need to do a few mock tests or we need to put you in different situations. Let's go practice it. We can't do that. We either say to them, no, you're going for it, or you're taking it in six months. There's no in-between, so it's all the, the pressure and the kicking. And then the, the DVSA have now come out and said this, exactly like we just said about the standards check. And it's another kick into instruct. Like you said, there is an element there of this is your fault. There's an element of that there. Now, flipping that around as much as I wholeheartedly believe everything I've just said, I actually agree with it. <laughs> I think that they're right to do it. But there needs to be something else there as well, something else to support us. 
And you mentioned some other ideas. One, I'm just going to just oh, top of my head now. I actually thought of this before, but just as I'm speaking, why not send something out to every learner by email 10 days, two weeks before the test? And it's somewhat like a survey where you have to go through and tick every box to say that you have completed parallel parts, you have completed dual carriageways, you have completed whatever it is, that there's full syllabus. I am confident I have done this. Now, they can't, if they don't reply with that in five days, they lose a test slot. Now, all right, of course, every learner could bullshit that and just go and take whatever they want. Of course they could. But it's showing them where that responsibility lies. It's showing them that you have to be able to do this stuff independently. It's not just down to us instructors. It's down to you as a pupil. Why not do something like that or something, as well as saying, instructors, get your act together. It, we've got the stick, but no carrot, haven't we? Yeah. And as, as I said, I don't think it's addressing the issue. Uh, I love your idea, and I'm now stealing it. Um, <laughs> so if I can get it in writing to the DVSA before you can get this broadcast, I'm happy. So That uh, will happen. <laughs> <laughs> so you, you haven't seen my typing skills. Then, <laughs> used to be. So I, I, I think that's great. Um, I The one that I've been pushing for a long time, pre um you know pre-covid was that in, you need a certificate from an instructor to show that you're test ready now it doesn't mean you have to have lessons so it might just be that you have an assessment slot and then the instructor said yes you're at the standard which i think you can apply for your test um it makes us trackable it makes you know we're giving that permission it means that you know this there's a cap there because otherwise you know what happens. Um, we say, no, you're not ready. And they say, well, I'm going to take it in my own car then. So we've got instructors that feel, do you know what? I'd rather that the examiner went out with dual controls. Um, so, you know, we'll do it in my car because there's a bit more safety to it. You've got the other instructors. And I, I'm not saying any of these are right or wrong. Uh, you've got other instructors that say, no, you're not doing it. So they end up taking it in their own car and then go and pass it with a clean sheet, which I've had happen. And it proves that you're wrong and ruins your reputation. No, it doesn't. What's happened is they've taken on board all of those faults you pointed out and then they've gone and worked on it. And brilliant. That's what we've asked them to do. But it's given them that focus. And some of us need a deadline to get a, to get you know behind something and get the job done. And we have nothing in our industry to look forward at or post test at how people perform. Everything's test focused. And we're being told, don't be test focused. But everything is test focused. Everything's pushing us towards test focus, including the standards check, which is, can we judge whether they are test ready or not? And it doesn't even do that. It says, can you deliver a half decent hour inside of a set of criteria which is limited? And I love the standards check criteria. I'm not knocking it. Um, I think that there's a real missing of the goal because they're saying... The DVSA are saying with in one breath it's about making sure more people pass. And yes, I can see why getting better instructors out there, whatever that means, is gonna gonna potentially do it. That depends whether the standards check does that. Does it make instructors better or does it just target ones that don't deliver well on a, under test conditions with an examiner sat in the back watching a lesson? It's arguable. So, I don't know. I, I I do feel 
while I get it and I get they've got to be doing something, you know, for, for it to be, and it's not the first step because they've tried to in, introduce more tests. They're, you know, they're, they're trying to get more, more examiners in there. They're doing those things. But the first thing involving us, except for would you like to give up being an instructor and become an examiner, um, was can we hit you with a stick, please? Yeah. Um, if we don't think you're good enough. And that not good enough is going to be inclusive of instructors that teach uh, pupils with specific needs, who pupils who teach instructors, uh, sorry, that teach pupils with high anxiety um, who don't perform well at tests. Now, if I specialise, which I do, in dealing with people with conditions and without conditions who, who just, you know, struggle with these things or are undiagnosed, I'm going to be in that percentage. So how, how's that making the world a better place? Um, you know, and, and I, I'm not saying it's easy. I'm just saying I don't think this is necessarily the best first step. Um, I yeah. would concur with that. I think that it's that. I think it's a good thing to do. I really do. I think that I, I've said this before on this platform that if I take 20 students a test this year from now till the end of the year and 19 of them come away with examiner intervention that's to me that's indicating there's a fault in my teaching you know so I, I kind of get that that we, to use as an indicator but like you said it, it's a stick it's something to beat us with um and it, it's, there's nothing wrong with that I, I haven't got a problem with that we know the standards checks are there we accept that when we come into the the industry but to me there needs to be something as well like you said the carrot and, and again i'm not professing to be here with all the answers i just think i think they're right to do it i think they've gone the wrong way about it um then it needs to be a reward i like some of the stuff they've done about it which we can touch back on shortly because what we're going to do now is i'm going to set the table because we've started and we've not introduced ourselves. So if you are enjoying this episode, to catch the rest of it, you're going to have to head over to Patreon. So if you went over to um, patreon.com forward slash the instructor, you can sign up over there where you get full access to the Green Room episodes, which are out every week. Uh, Chris is going to be joining me uh, sort of two out of every four weeks, roughly, and I'll be getting different instructors on throughout the week. Bob Morton was on last week with his insights around mental health, uh, which we're even touching on today, and ADI is leaving the profession, which, again, could well come into to what we're talking about today. Um, yeah, so that's where we're going with this. Um, but, Chris, tell us a little bit about yourself, tell us a little bit about the DITC, and tell us where we can find the DITC. So I am a driving instructor. We were talking earlier about job titles. I, I'm a driving instructor, uh, but I haven't got a car. I do theory training online and specialise in that, which is my big soapbox that I'm not getting on today, uh, but we need to do that better. And I also run the DITC, the Driving Instructor and Trainers Collective, which is being grown to be the signposting spot for the industry. If you need something, that's where you will go to find the breadcrumbs to follow, at least, if not the help itself. And that has come from things like we're talking about today, where there's not the help, there's not the support, there's not the carrots. So we're we going to have a, a garden full of carrots 
for instructors to be able to help themselves and and grow their own businesses. Awesome. Uh, and I will include a link in the show notes for this episode if you want to go and pick at Chris's Carrots. Um, but as we said, if you want to listen to this full episode as well as other bonus episodes and get them early and potentially even ad-free, head over to patreon.com forward slash the instructor or again, check the show notes or my social media for links there. The Instructor Podcast with Terry Cook. Talking with leaders, innovators, experts and game changers about what drives them.